following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcasting Network. For a full list of our shows, as well as breaking sports news and engaging feature stories, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com. Okay. Just for the record, we got a sun in Phoenix, too. 52. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Sunny in Phoenix podcast, a weekly podcast where we keep you up to date on everything Phoenix Suns basketball. My name is Charlie Erling, and I am joined by Dabin Mitch Krumpetich. What's up? On today's episode, we will be talking about Isaiah Kanan, last week's games. We'll talk about the upcoming games, and then we'll also talk about the release of Tyson Chandler. Make sure to follow us on social media on Twitter and Instagram, at SunnyandPHXPod. Then if you go on iTunes, leave us a five-star review and a comment, you will get a shout-out on the show. All right, so just as a disclaimer, this is one of the two or two. three weeks? This is week two, week I think. Of David not being here to edit the episode. So me and Mitch really don't know what we're going to do. <laughs> so we're going to just play it. We're going to try to do this in one take. I know that's a yeah. big deal for like musicians. Right. That's a big deal. So we're going for one take. And our boy David is in Alaska, actually, taking a little vacation. Yeah, good for him. So along with that, we want to start things off with Suns related things colder than David in Alaska. And some of these aren't Suns related. One of them is not Suns related. And I'll start with that one. Outcast. We we both like Outcast. What's cooler than being cool? Ice cold, of course. So That's right. Things colder than David in Alaska. Outcast. Yeah. Andre 3000. Start. I miss Outcast. They're good. I like them still. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> but really, something, this might be the coldest thing going on right now, is Ryan Anderson's three-point percentage. He's shooting 23% from there. We were expecting more than that. None of us were expecting Anderson to be putting up crazy solid numbers, or were maybe none of us were even expecting him to be an average starting power forward. But that 23% hurts when it's the only thing he brings to the table. I don't know if he's, like, changed his shot or something, because it looks weird. It's like he steps into it on every shot, and I don't remember ever... I mean, I never watched him, like, religiously when he was in Houston or New Orleans or wherever, but it, his shot just looks awkward. It's like he holds his follow-through, and he, he keeps going down after he lands, kind and it, of. Yeah, and it, it looks flat. Yeah, and, you know, maybe he's just used to pulling threes from... 35 feet away from the hoop and he's got to put that extra into it I don't know but it does look goofy it's bad it's not working it's bad but something else that's bad stat wise our points per game last in the league 101.2 points per game that's ridiculous and I I made a point last night and this is obviously it's gonna be a little bit off right now because the college season is very young but Gonzaga as many of you know, my alma mater, they're averaging 112 points per game right now, and that's a college team. Okay, they've only played two games, and in one of them they scored 120 points against, I don't know, Southeastern Idaho Community College for the Blind or whatever (laughs) it was. 
No, I'm kidding. It was against the University of Idaho. But still, it's really sad what the Suns are averaging right now. Well, college ball is two 20-minute halves, right? Right. So that's eight fewer minutes than an NBA game. That's true. Then it's Gonzaga. Right. Who aren't known for lighting up the... Well, actually, we, we've been some of the higher scorers oh. in college for the past few years. We score a lot. It's just not really flashy. Usually. I stand... Okay, fair enough. Yeah. But yeah, if they're outscoring the Suns... I mean, but sad. like scoring a lot for college, I remember I, I, last year, a couple of years ago, we were averaging like 82 points a game, and that was huge. So, uh, yeah. So what else is cold? Josh Jackson in general, but maybe yeah. more specifically the free throw percentage. I think that's hovering around 53% oh. right now. And when your jumper's not working, and... I mean, he's getting to the hoop, but he's not finishing at the hoop. But when you earn your trip to the foul line and then you make one out of two every time, that, that really hurts. Yeah, and he's barely playing. The The announcers in the Pelicans game mentioned Josh Jackson has to earn trust back. And yeah, he's he's practicing well. He's playing hard still. But when he gets into the game, he has to take advantage of every second and you know, he hits a, a nice fadeaway mid-range jumper pretty much every game, and then it seems like nothing else. Right, and that seems like the way he gets most of his buckets nowadays is right. an off-balance shot from around the elbow area. Right, which is not really a good shot ever. No. I mean, when Aiton pulls him, at least he's set up. Right. But it seems like Jackson's never set up when he's pulling that. Right. Let's see, another thing that's called DeAndre Aiton's defense. It's not been good. No. He, I mean, the, the play to highlight is in the Pelicans game. I forget even who it was. Someone on the Pelicans was driving to the basket. Aiton just, he was right there. And Aiton looks at him, takes one step, and then just stops and lets him go by. And Devin Booker looks at Aiton like, what are you doing? Yeah. There's been numerous times this season where I've seen Aiton actually leave the paint when a guy is penetrated and is right at the rim, he'll actually leave the paint to go closer to his man. And I don't know if maybe I just caught the timing wrong a couple times and thought maybe he should have been sinking out to his man. But most of the case, no. He's, he's just completely leaving the paint, and I can't understand it. He's seven foot one but he's playing like he's six foot one it's so frustrating i i don't even know i would rather see him foul out every game than do what he's doing right now right it's a little bit like defensive benderitis but then again <laughs> if you look at him on offense he shows a little bit of that too i like that ayton is getting picking up assists and making some great passes but he's not aggressive down low, not at all. And it's a little it's a little concerning. And there was just an article, I think it was on AZ Central today. Igor and DeAndre didn't see eye to eye on the fact that Igor wanted DeAndre to come out playing aggressive and playing hard. And then Aiden said something like, I don't know what he means by that. I'm a rhythm player. I need to get in the rhythm. So, I'm just going to say it. That sounds so selfish. If your coach wants you to go out there 
and play hard to start the game, and then you say, no, I need to get into my rhythm first, that's selfish. I agree. Just do what your coach says. Igor is a good coach. I'm crossing my fingers on that still. <laughs> but he does need to play aggressive. You're seven foot one, and you're, you need to post up, make a move, and finish strong. And if you don't make the shot, you're going to get fouled a lot of the time. And I feel like we have hardly seen that this year. And it's kind of crazy that he's putting up a double-double per game and we've seen some 20-10 and 10 games. Mm-hmm. And, but everyone's crying for him to be more aggressive. It, it just says that like this guy has so much potential. But is he wasting it? I mean, it's been 12 games, right? right? 12 games. So we do need to give him a break. He's still adjusting for sure. But... It's hard when you can see that there's so much more that he could be doing. And hopefully as the season progresses, he'll tap into that talent. You know, I I was looking at Joel Embiid's stats in his first games uh-huh. because I, I like to compare those two. Yeah. And Embiid was much more aggressive than Aiton was. I saw a game he put up like 17 or 18 shots in one of his first NBA games. And Aiton's had double-digit shots plenty of games here, but he's not demanding the ball. And every once in a while, I'd like to see him put up a stupid shot, as long as it's right at the rim. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to get mad at that. Well, and Eddie made a good point in the game last night. If you're, what do you say, if you're within two feet of the restricted area, just shoot. Yeah. It doesn't matter if there's four guys there. At this point, if you're that close, just shoot the ball. Especially when you're 7-1 and no one's probably going to block it. Right. Except, well, Anthony Davis. Except Anthony Davis because Anthony Davis is hes pretty good. Mm -hmm. All right. We just harped on Aiton for a little while, but it's time to harp on someone else, and it's going to be Isaiah Kanan. Lots of fans on social media are just perplexed as to why Isaiah Kanan is playing the minutes why he is. He's averaging 29.1 minutes per game this far through the season. And we all want to see a little bit more Okobo. We want to see a touch of Melton in there too. But but it just hasn't quite happened yet. So I was looking at this today and I went through. And I, I said, how many guys are playing fewer minutes than Kanan that I'd rather have on the roster right now. And I have a list right here of 25 or so guys who I would definitely consider putting, having over Kanan. And just like a list, these guys are playing fewer minutes than Isaiah Kanan. Alfred Payton, could have kept him. Eric Bledsoe. Frank... Nikita, Frankie Smokes, Rondo, Dinwiddie, SGA, D'Lo, Beverly, Lonzo Ball, Colin Sexton, Corey Joseph, Markel Fultz, Fred Van Vliet, Terry Rozier. They all play fewer minutes than Kanan. Why? I don't know. It is perplexing. Kanan has had, I want to say, two good games. And even in those... Their losses. They're, it's a lot of garbage time scoring. I don't know if it's just Kokoshkov wanting a guy who has a little bit more experience in the first 12 games. 
Because Okobo has been starting to play a little bit more. And we've seen, we've seen Bridges and those guys start to play a little bit more. And Kakashkov did say at the beginning of the season he's not just going to throw these rookies into the fire, aside from Aiden, obviously. So I could see that, but I don't know. When you start the season 2-10, and 10, something's got to change. And right. we, did, we did say at the beginning... Right at the beginning of the season, don't be surprised if we start off pretty poorly because we have a really tough schedule. But we're in the West. The West is really good. Every single night, basically, we're going to be playing a really good team. So 2-10 and 10 is pretty inexcusable, especially when you compare it to like the Kings or the Nets, who are actually having decent seasons. Not great, but they're not 2-10. and 10. Yeah. I, I can understand... Throwing Kanan out there as our starting point guard. I completely understand that, yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. But here's a couple things that get me, that rustle my jimmies a little bit. The fact that we, seems like we've been leaving him in for almost entirely the first quarter. And then continuing to play him for 20 plus more minutes after that. Right. But it seems like we won't take him out, and I don't understand why that sub takes so long to happen. I don't either. I've seen Booker get pulled out of the game before Kane. I was going to say the exact same thing. Most games, Booker doesn't even play the whole first that, quarter. That's insanity. It is. I think in last night's game, or two nights ago's game, I think it took till the 11, minute, 11 minutes from out of the first, I think it was. I don't know. Jeez. It was way too late, it's, though. Yeah. And then if you're going to play him such big minutes in the first quarter when the game's wide open, I don't understand why we have to leave him in in situations where he's having trouble guarding the opposing point guard. We want Booker handling the ball in the fourth. It's pretty much all high pick and roll or iso for Booker in the fourth. Right. Why leave Kanan in there then? I don't know. It's not like he's a good three-point shooter or anything. He's been fine, but it's not like he's that much better than anyone else I don't know I really don't get it and it was so frustrating in that Celtics game right to have him in he could not guard Kyrie okay I get it Kyrie is really really good and he probably would do that on anyone but take a chance try something I mean I kept saying during that game put Ariza on Kyrie put Bridges. Bridges. Put someone else on him because he's just lighting us up. He kept hitting threes at will because Kanan couldn't do anything. Right. Late in that game and in overtime, I I would have rather had Bridges in. Yeah. yeah. Booker was handling the ball. We were getting torched by Kyrie. Booker's not going to guard Kyrie. So then we put in one of our uber-athletic 6'7", 6'8", guys. Josh Jackson. Jackson or Bridges. Yes. Why not? That's Oof. that's the point. That's why they're here. We've talked about this so many times. We're getting spicy already. Yeah. How many minutes in the into this are we? <laughs> we got we're at fourteen forty. Oh boy, spicy, spicy in the first quarter hour of the show. Yeah, but let's let's talk about one positive thing that's colder than David in Alaska because oh, we're going. We gotta go back. Yeah, we do have to go back just because. I don't want this to be all negative. It's hard as a Suns fan, but the the word cold can have a positive connotation. And I want to talk about Booker hitting game-winning or game-tying clutch shots. Now that's cold. And Booker this has to be the outcast us, variety. Yes, exactly. Yeah. This takes us back to the Memphis game which we talked about, but that's 
it's still the last positive thing we have to talk about. So just still enjoying that, knowing that Booker's cold. Oh, yeah. And he's, I think he's the second highest scoring player in the NBA in the fourth quarter this year. We've yeah. seen all of the clutch shots. They keep happening. He had a mile-long buzzer beater at the end of the quarter the other night. Yeah, that was great. It's, and he did hit sh- some big shots in that Celtics game. He kept us in Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. If it weren't for him, that would have been, well, yeah. one, it wouldn't have gone to overtime, and two, if it did, it would have been even uglier than that one ended. Right. Okay, so now let's do a little bit of game recaps. Ugh. I think we're going to keep this episode pretty... <laughs> pretty quick here especially because we don't have savory david to edit it but we'll start out i don't even want to talk about the suns versus nets game it was 104 to 82 we just absolutely did not show up after the huge momentum building win we had against the grizzlies it was just so disappointing to see him come out so flat it was it was awful karis levert with 26 points what why Levert's pretty good. He's fine, but but like ten, he was ten for sixteen. He he didn't miss, and that was Booker's assignment all night too. Right, was, right. And Booker has not been good on defense. No, he never really has. But this year, he's definitely taken a step back. But I just don't understand. This was a winnable game. This was our only winnable game for the next however long, and we scored eighty-two points. Are you kidding me? This is a team that starts Jared Dudley. <laughs> We didn't even start Jared Dudley <laughs> right. last year most of the time. Right. And, oh you know, gosh. one thing about this game, TJ Warren wasn't back right. to 100%, so we ended up having to start Ryan Anderson, who scored zero points in 22 minutes. He took he one shot. Took one shot, one three-pointer. Then he pulled down two big rebounds, two assists, <laughs> turned the ball over a couple times, made a foul. You know, he, he got something he, done he while he was in there. He left his mark right? for sure. There is one really good thing to say about this game, though, and that's Rashawn Holmes. He had 13 points and 10 rebounds and two blocks and a steal. He actually hustled. He gave effort. I feel like he was the only one on the court giving any semblance of effort. Okay, that was great. But when when your highlight of the game is your backup center giving effort, that's pretty bad. That's that's pretty sad, (laughs) definitely. Then you look at Booker and Aiton, two really inefficient games from them. Booker was 6 for 21 from the floor. Aiton was 6 for 17. So with those kinds of numbers, I don't know if we'll ever see the Suns win if those guys are going to combine for 12 for for 38. That's pretty tough. It, It was a weird game, and I'll say this was probably the most embarrassed I've ever been as a Suns fan. Actually, no. There's no. been more embarrassing, but this this was a very embarrassing game. Yeah, this this one hurt a lot. That's absolutely true. And Isaiah Kanan played 36 minutes in this one. Ugh. So just play him for 48. Just play. Him just the whole leave game. him in and just exhaust him. Maybe by the time he can't walk up and down the court, Coco will say, "Yeah, let's give him a break." Maybe. Now we get to move on to more pain. Okay, Celtics game. This one started off so incredible. It felt it like a dream. Reason. I was pinching myself. It was it was so weird. It was weird. And then we get to that fourth quarter. Absolutely fall apart. Offensive offense was so stagnant in that fourth quarter. No one wanted to score. Couldn't tell if 
we just didn't know what to do or if we were trying to pound the air out of the ball and the clock. I don't know what the deal was. So here's what I think. The last four minutes or so of this game, we're up 12 or 14. And I think Coco just said, chew clock, just run the clock. I don't, I don't know why. That's what it seems like. It, it seemed like a football game where you just run the oh. ball up the gut. And that's what it seemed like we did. We didn't even try to score. We just kept giving Booker these isos where he would just hold the ball and then about seven seconds left on the shot clock, he'd call for a screen or just take whoever was guarding him to the hole and then throw up a shot. And, I mean, the Celtics could just double or triple team him because we they knew he's going to shoot it right there. Everyone in that building knew he was going to shoot it right there. And then... We just couldn't hit a shot in that last stretch. And in the fourth quarter, we were outscored by 15 points because we just took our foot completely off the gas. Even if we would have waited one more minute and scored a bucket or two more, I think we would have won this game. Right. I remember saying early in the fourth that I wouldn't be satisfied until we kept this lead and there was only two minutes left, on the, and it didn't happen. And I said... I'm not You're satisfied not, yeah. until there's zeros on the clock and we're up. Yep. And then you went home unsatisfied. That's right. That's right. But a co- you can definitely take a couple positive things out of this game. Oh, yeah. You know, I don't want to give the defense too much credit about that first half because <laughs> the Celtics just couldn't make anything. No, they were they blowing couldn't. layups. They were missing wide-open threes. But the good thing about that, you look at Gordon Hayward and Jason Tatum on their box score – Hayward only had eight. Tatum only had four. They were combined four for 15. And those are two guys who we've watched light up the Suns. And right. we're all burned about the Jason Tatum and Josh Jackson thing. So at least you can take a little something from that, that he didn't tear us up at our home court. Right. I mean, this first half was awesome because the Celtics scored 13 points in the first quarter. They blew so many easy shots. We played okay defense at times. Yeah, yeah. It was mostly blown shots. I mean, this whole game, the Celtics only shot 40.2%. You're not going to win a lot of games doing that. No. But uh, just just gave it up in the end. And Kyrie is really, really, really good. He's really good. And really, who could we have put on him to stop that? It's tough to do. It's tough for anybody in the league to do. It would have been tough but I would have liked to try. But Devin Booker had a great game in this game. But aside from the defensive end on offense, he did pretty much everything. 38 points and nine assists along with three steals on defense. He did have six turnovers, which a lot of those came later in the game. But he shot 15 for 30. Overtime uh, should be included in that. For sure. It is, but taken into account for so that was kind of cool to see because Kyrie had, what do you have, 39. So it was a, a duel between Booker and Kyrie, which was Yeah, and they were cool actually going back and forth, possession to possession. Yeah. For, it seemed like a few minutes it was just Booker versus Kyrie right. pretty much. Right, and I told someone this right after the game. I said, if this would have been a game between any other teams besides the Suns, and uh, it could have been the Celtics and the Pistons or whoever – if this was any other game, I would have been like, wow, what a great game. Yeah. That was awesome. Yeah. And this was a great game. It was. It was awesome. It was really exciting, but 
Of course, Marcus Morris. Marcus Morris has to hit that game-tying three at the end of regulation. It just had to happen, right? And that was a miscommunication. That was supposed to be switched, but it wasn't. And then we were supposed to foul, too. When they first inbounded it to Marcus Morris with his back to the basket, <laughs> the Kakashkov says the call was to foul. But then the we players said that wasn't the call. Right. I saw from my angle something interesting. The ball got passed into Marcus Morris back to the basket, yes. Then he passes to Kyrie, and Booker was trying to foul Kyrie, and they didn't mm. call anything. Hmm. So, I don't know. It, that was a little bit questionable, but it, he was trying to wrap him up, but it didn't. I don't know. It didn't happen. So, what... Overall, what feels worse, Marcus Morris hitting that game-tying three or, let's get real here, truth time, we're sitting in our arena surrounded by Celtics fans and the place absolutely erupting when the Celtics start making shots and winning that game. What hurts worse? I think Marcus Morris hitting that shot. One, because it's Marcus Morris. And two, because... I guess I'm just used to it. This is okay. how our arena always is. So I I felt that way. I, I I'm, We're used to it. When a Midwest team comes, or pretty much any East Coast team comes, the crowd's full of opposing fans. We're used to that. But that Celtics game, I think... It was bad. I think it was the worst. I don't know if it's just the green shirts that were standing out, or... Oh, I don't want to get in trouble. Or the Northeastern attitude that I love so much. <laughs> I don't know what it was, but I, I've never left a game feeling more just... I was almost disgusted. I was pretty mad. There was one game last year against the Lakers that was like that, too. Yep. And that was a game where we almost saw a fight, actually. Oh, yeah. That but was crazy. Those are the two... This this game and that game last year are the two that stand out for me when it comes to opposing teams fans. But, yeah, we had some talkers around us, which normally I enjoy, and I enjoyed it a lot in the first half. Yeah. But when you lose in the fashion that we did... It's really not fun to be surrounded by opposing. No, players. that that one stung a little bit more than usual. And you know, if we would have lost by twenty five, and it would have been like that during regulation, fine. You know, whatever. We probably deserve that. But right. Oh, protect the court. Right. Protect the court. Well, I walked in, and there was a Celtics fan. There are two Celtics fans sitting behind us, and I said to him before the game even started. You guys ready to win by 40? Just to make small talk, make a little joke. Talk to the guy quite a bit. Nice guy. And then by the end of the game, I was like, don't talk to me. Don't touch me. <laughs> and I walked home mad. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was I was definitely upset when I popped in the car trying to get out of the parking garage Ugh. with a sea of Celtics fans walking outside. Oh, yeah, that's that burns. Yep. What do you think about that, Robert Sarver? <laughs> okay. Let's uh, talk about this Pelicans game. This was an interesting one. We did end up dropping it by 20, but it was a lot closer than that at times. We really played some competitive ball. But then once we got to that fourth quarter, we just really 
It seemed like there wasn't much fight left. Right. I'm. I don't want to say I'm okay with this game, but we were in it for most of the time. The Pelicans are a good team. Julius Randle's really good for them. Anthony Davis is an MVP candidate. There's nothing you can ever do about him. There's nothing anyone can ever do about him. We would get it to about seven or eight points, and then the Pelicans would pull away. But we kept fighting until the very end. So, I mean, a 17-point fourth quarter doesn't help with that. But I, I was okay with our effort until then. And TJ Warren had another really good game in this. He had 25 points five rebounds and three blocks that was cool and he had 29 the night before against the Celtics so it's nice to see TJ get going yeah it seems like TJ's hitting stride now after missing those couple games Uh, he actually got to the line a few times in this one he was seven for seven from the line in this one love to see that love to see him getting I don't want to say rewarded by the refs because I mean the guy goes hard to the rim Every night, game in and game out, and it seems like he doesn't get rewarded for that very much, but we'll take those seven free throws for sure. Yeah, yeah. And another interesting thing with this one is Booker. He only had 12 points. He was four for 12 from the field, but he did have seven assists. But the Pelicans just keyed in on him so much. Alvin Gentry's a good coach, and it just seemed like they said, do whatever you have to to stop Booker. Yeah. And... I mean, that fourth quarter shows they did what they needed to to stop Booker, and we had yep. nothing. And Drew Holiday is a great defender. He is he's, fantastic. He's great all around. I like watching Drew Holiday. What, what's with the headband, though? I think these guys are just really running with it this year. I like it. Someone, I, I saw yeah. someone say, I don't know if this is a thing necessarily, but someone called it Drew Jitsu. <laughs> I like that. I like that. It was cool. Yeah, I just I thought he was wearing a do rag at yeah. first. Yeah, yeah, that's what it looks stuff like. hanging down. Yeah, or the, I was like, are those braids? Is that a do rag? I had no idea what was going yeah. on. I hadn't watched the Pellies play this year. So. Yeah, I haven't either. But they're they're a fun team. I like the Pelicans. They're I think they have a chance to be really good. Yeah, I think man, again, Drew Holiday really really impressed me. There was a play where. I don't know if he even attempted to put it up as a layup, but he pa- yeah. pretty much passed it yeah. off the glass to himself and put it back in. Mm-hmm. Well, I, and Aiton was defending him, I'm pretty oh, sure. That doesn't I, mean right. much, right? I know, but a seven-foot-one guy yeah, was yeah. kind of in the way. And another thing, you mentioned Julius Randle. He bullied us, man. Yeah, he did. There was a play where, I think it was two times in a row, where Josh Jackson was trying to guard him. And we saw this happen last year. Numerous times when we tried playing Josh at the four, mm-hmm. but Julius Randle just backed him down effortlessly with two or three dribbles, and he was right in front of the rim. And he can finish when he gets right there, too. It, that's impressive, and that's something that I like his game next to Davis's much more than I like Boogie and Davis together. Yeah, yeah, it works out. Well, and they didn't have Miritich either in this game. Mm. I know, I know. <laughs> but Aiton actually played well on the offensive end in this game with 20 and 12. That was kind of nice to see him get 12 rebounds with Anthony Davis on him. Six of them were offensive, too. And there was one play. I don't know if they ended up changing this in the scoring, like the official scoring or not, but there is a play where Booker was at the rim, well, driving towards the rim, and... It looked like a shot, but he intentionally threw it off the backboard to Aiton. 
I don't know if they ended up calling that a shot. They probably called it a shot and a rebound for Aiton, but that was cool. Yeah, that was that, a great play. It was a definite pass because yeah, Booker's was. not going to throw it that high off the glass, right? Trying to shoot a layup, right? Aiden. He's a little smoother than that, but that was really impressive. It was cool. I want to talk a little bit about the bench, though. We didn't have a single bench player in double digits. Ryan Anderson didn't play, which was kind of nice. Josh Jackson, though, had 19 minutes, and he shot four for 11, and had he led our bench with nine points. We're not going to win any games if that's what's going to happen. Right, yeah, and Holmes, pretty quiet night, too. 18 minutes, two points, four boards. Uh, yeah, just the bench really didn't go get it going. They played decent minutes. They had the time, but I think Bridges is just kind of showing he's still a rookie, even though yeah. we've seen those really big, exciting games from him. Mm-hmm. Kind of brings us back down to earth with the last couple games. I, I just think, too, with Holmes, at least, when you're playing against these, sometimes he's guarding Anthony Davis, sometimes he's guarding Randall you're afraid a little bit of foul trouble. He only had three fouls, but I understand being afraid of that foul trouble. Yeah, and I know, know there was a point, Aiton, in the first half, I think all three of his fouls came in the first half. Right. right. Yep. So he had to sit at one point just because Anthony Davis is really good at drawing fouls like that. He's one of those guys like Shaq. You could call a foul on him every time he goes up. Basically. Pretty much, yeah. So... Yeah, that that hurt us. Okay, I think I'm I'm done talking about last week's yeah. trio of L's. <laughs> we'll talk quickly about the upcoming games. We've said it before, Suns have the second toughest schedule this year early on, and it, it stays that way. We have a game at the Thunder, then versus the Spurs, then the Thunder come here. So that's three tough games in a row this week. I'd really like to see us catch a break. It doesn't seem like we're going to have an easy one or an e- or a winnable one for quite a little while the, here. The so. only hope we have is that the, the first Thunder game is Monday, the day this is released, and Russell Westbrook could still be out. That would be I ideal. I don't know if that's going to change anything, really, because they still have... Yeah, Paul George and, and the Spurs don't have a point guard either, and right. I don't it, think. But not having Westbrook, even though he does make his teammates and those around him worse, he's still a good <laughs> player. So, <laughs> yeah, that's that's probably our only winnable game. That's funny. The only winnable one is at the Thunder, just because they might be missing a guy. Maybe right. we can sneak in a win there. Yeah, but I doubt it. But you know, we'll see. We're we're Suns fans. We're used to this, right? Yep. <laughs> So Tyson Chandler, we got to talk. We got to talk about Tyson. This was weird. So Tyson Chandler got bought out last week, officially signed with the Lakers this week. Then we get news that LeBron calls in a favor from his buddy James jo- James Johnson, who is the interim Jones. GM. Oh, James John. I always say James Johnson because he's he from ball. Wyoming. He he went to Cheyenne Central, I want to say, and I I played against his brother in football and basketball. Anyway, it's fair. It's James fair. Jones. I always do that. Our interim GM James Jones is a friend of LeBron's, essentially. 
LeBron calls and says, hey, can we expedite this process of the Chandler buyout? And Jones, being the nice guy that he is, says, yeah, LeBron, I can do that. What? Are you kidding me? Why? I don't know if we really should be believing this. I believe it. I don't know what sources this is coming from. I don't know anything about it. Do you think Robert Sarver would let that happen, though? Yeah. You do? Probably. Tyson gave us back some of the money, too. Oh, yeah. I bet that was part of it. I bet... Robert Sarver. Make him give us some money back. Yeah, I I bet it was a combination of all these things, you know? (laughs) LeBron calling, we're going to do this anyway. Tyson probably says, you can have some of this back if you do it sooner. I'm glad Tyson's off the roster. I like Tyson, but... I was never that crazy about him in the first place. He was only here as a lure for LaMarcus Aldridge, which that was four years ago now. That seems like it wasn't that long ago. It, but It, it feels true. like it was forever ago to me because every week of Suns basketball feels like <laughs> it takes 20 years to me. Oh, no. I know. I'm trying to be positive, but there's nothing to be positive about. No, that, the whole situation is tough, and if it really was a favor... Like, was was James Jones returning the favor of helping him get rings? Or does LeBron owe the Phoenix Suns something now? What do you think? Check us out on Twitter, at SunnyPHXPod. Yeah, what does LeBron owe us? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Maybe he'll sign with us when he gets sick of the Lakers. Yeah, after four years when he'll be 38 yeah. years old. Yep. Or, yeah, yeah. That no, sounds about 36. Uh, 36. Who cares, Mitch? Whatever. Who cares? Let's move on to non-sports. <laughs> Our non-sports question of the week is, is coffee juice? Oh, you mentioned this a little while ago, and I didn't really think about it. But is coffee juice? I would say no, because juice is, like, extracted from a fruit is what I think. Sure. You you pulverize the fruit and the juice comes out mm-hmm. as a liquid. Right. You can't turn coffee beans into a liquid without adding water to the powder. Well, juice still has water in it. I mean, I get what you're saying. If you squeeze... There's not juice... There's not right. water coming from the coffee If you beer. squeeze an orange that's peeled, there's going to be juice that comes out. Yeah. Yes, I get that. But when you drink orange juice, that's not what it is. It's that juice mixed with water and sugar and all of that. This is why I think there's potential for coffee to be juice. Coffee is a hot bean juice. Hot bean juice? Hot bean juice. That's what we should call it. <laughs> so it's just water mixed with, the, like you say, extracted, the extraction of the beans, whether they're ground or however you do it. I, I was just thinking about this when I was making coffee at work on Monday, I think. I just, I, I've called coffee a hot bean juice for a while now because it's a Jake and Amir thing. That's funny. And I was really thinking about it, and I just thought, you know, this, it, it kind of is a juice. So is chicken broth chicken juice? That's a good question. I was just thinking of a dry yeah. powder that you put into a... Yeah, if you squeeze... A raw if piece you squeeze of a raw chicken heart, yeah, <laughs> you know that's I I might lean yes. 
There we go. Solving world problems right here. Yeah, so. We're going to market with that. Enjoy as soon as your possible. hot bean juice as you listen to this episode, if that's your thing. Yeah. I know not everyone's a coffee drinker. Is tea juice? No, see, I, I thought of that too. And would you call tea a juice? Tea steeped. So. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, well, yeah. coffee. I don't this know. This is tough, man. This is tough. This I didn't expect. To change my own opinion on this. Yeah, wow. You know what? Let's save this for after the show. Let's, let's wrap let's this thing it. up. We appreciate you guys tuning in. Again, hit us up on Twitter or Instagram, at Sunny and PHX Pod. We, we appreciate when you guys interact with us on there. We do. We get some DMs some, from some fans. and Always appreciate it. We, we try to answer intelligently, even though that might not always happen. <laughs> but, you know, we're we there. We do what we can. Try to, try to keep it light. But hey, again, thank you for tuning in. We'll see you next week, and go Suns.